Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a 24 episode, a season finale, season three. Can you believe we are here at the end of another season? This episode first aired on the 25th of May, 2004, written by Joel Cernow, Michael Losef, directed by John Kazar. Should mention this is episode 24 of season three. If you didn't get that, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m., just in case you were wondering. If you can't count, then I don't know what to tell you. You need to go back to school. Your name's probably Max Dawson. But hey, we're here now, and we've got that over and done with. My name is Ben, and if you want to do this podcast well, you've got to stay detached. And my name is Colin, and... Leave me alone. No. Um, <laughs> no. No. That's not even how he does it. No. <laughs> Gotta get your huggy bear David going on. Um, Why? I love <laughs> because we can. Uh, <laughs> oh, our last episode is David as president. What a shame. Um, I, I love this episode. There's two moments in this episode. Well, one that I just get furious at. And it makes me so mad. One which belongs in a different TV show. And potentially three top five moments. Uh, an ending which I hated now love. Uh, there's a lot going on in this episode. But uh, 96% of this episode I absolutely adore. Yeah, I think we're both going to agree on the part that we hate. Um, it may have something to do with a certain villain. Uh, and I think we're both going to agree that uh, we love the ending, despite us both agreeing uh, 18 years ago that we hated the ending. So um, I, I, I'm actually surprised because this is the first time I've watched this all the way through since probably not long after season three aired. And uh, yet I said I always rewatch like that final 15 minutes over and over again. The rest of this episode's all new to me. Gael has a wife. I forgot about that. Um <laughs> So did the writers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I, I actually really enjoyed the stuff that I even forgot and never bothered to rewatch all those years ago. Well, let's get the crap out of the way because I'm just going to get the CTU stuff because all the crap stuff happens at CTU. First of all, oh, yeah. oh my God, the beginning of this episode, like just, just, oh, if... I've been watching a lot of season six and season seven recently and trust me, 20, 24 gets bad, okay? 24 <laughs> gets bad. And the beginning of this episode is almost like what I've been watching in season six and season seven. So um, this could have gone down a completely different path because let's all of a sudden introduce the fact that Gael, first of all, remember him. When did he die? Like 14 hours ago? I was probably closer than that, probably like eight hours ago. But, um, you know, he's got a wife. Oh, sad. Here she is. I, I don't even know her name. Jenny. Let's call her that. <laughs> 
Um, she comes in and, oh, she's upset because beloved Gail dead and, you know, Michelle's going to sit her down and be like, oh, you know, he died a hero. He didn't suffer. Liar, Michelle, just a plain liar. Uh, Kim, given that she's not babysitting the baby, hashtag where's the baby, um, you know, she's going to babysit Jenny here who's going to go through Gael's stuff. For some reason... Chloe needs Kim because reasons. Uh, Saunders gets brought in in all his chains and instead of getting led into that little Hannibal Lecter glass box set Marie was in last season, he's just going to get sit down at somebody's desk. This is, you know, Ryan's old desk in the middle of the floor because he's going to have to identify Victor, the guy with the canister. Meanwhile, Jenny Gael here looks up at a TV screen and there just happens to be a picture of Saunders. Now, this is literally a file. It literally is just a file of Saunders saying British and look at him pointing over there. That's, you know, that's all it is. <laughs> it doesn't have a big thing saying suspect, detained, like this is the guy. There is no way that Jenny Gael here can tell that this is the guy behind the attack. So just remember that. So anyway, Jenny's going through the box of Gael's beloved things. Big Red Wings supporter. As we know, all yes. season, all Gael talked about was his love of the Detroit <laughs> Red Wings. Because he just wouldn't shut up about it. Um, I mean, you talk about randomness. Here's his love of his beloved Detroit Red Wings cap. It's up there with Cubby in terms of iconic props in 24. Um, what if she just pulled the trigger on Steve Eiserman? Yeah. <laughs> well, this she is all your have. fault. <laughs> you sh- she should have. But I love So Chloe all of a sudden calls in um, Kim because reasons. And Chloe's got to have one more bitchy thing to do before we start to like her next episode. Um, Barry gets put in control of Jenny Gael. Fucking Barry. Here he is. Barry CTU. And then, you know, Stephen's sitting there at the computers going, not him, not him. Give me 5B closer, 5B closer. And what does Jenny Gael do? There just happens to be a gun in Gael's box next to the Red Wings. It's generally a thing if you've got a Red Wings supporter hat, you've got a gun nearby to end your misery because you're a Red Wings supporter. And she pulls out the gun, bang, bang, dead, Saunders, tackle Jenny to the ground. Jack's on the line, damn it, what happened? Oh, Saunders is dead. Who killed Saunders? <laughs> Gael's wife, I'll have to call you back. Even Jack's going, who? <laughs> Who's Gael? Oh, that guy. He's married? <laughs> this is so stupid. I hate this so much. And, like, I love this episode, but you've got the greatest villain of all time in 24. Seven minutes into the episode, goes out like a little bitch from random character that they just invented for the sake of this episode. It is stupid. Kill him, like, shove him in the hotel. Kill him off somehow. Give him some sort of cool death. Like, this is just stupid. It's so stupid. Rant one over and done with because there's another CTU rant I'm going to get over with in a second. But anyway, Colin, rant away because I'm assuming you hate this too. Oh, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I completely forgot this. I, I actually didn't even remember if Saunders lived or died here. Uh, and the purpose of him being in this episode, like, why not just have him killed off the previous week? Yeah. That would be a great cliffhanger. Like, you, you've got, if even if you want to do the whole guy wife thing, like, kill him off in the previous, don't waste it in the first five minutes. Like, give us some sort of build here. Have, I don't know, have Adam kill him. You know Adam's not coming back next season. I think he's, well, I don't know if he's Adam's signed sister, on. Beloved Adam's sister, exactly. Exactly, you know? yeah. There's a lot of people who have a grudge against it. Have the baby. The baby comes yeah. in and <laughs> just pulls the trigger. It's Maggie Simpson, um, <laughs> who shot who shot uh, Stephen Saunders. who in a great cliffhanger. It's just, it's such a waste because uh, I you know, have said throughout this season, I wasn't coming into this the biggest Saunders fan. Uh, I 
you know, remembered some good things about Saunders, some things I didn't like. It was mostly the Jane stuff that I didn't like. And the Jane stuff is brilliant compared to this. Like, this is your big finale. And considering everything else they do in this finale and how big you've built up this, this villain, like, give him a big send-off. Like, Tobin Bell has a bigger send-off than this, and he's in, what, four episodes? Mm. Uh, this is a guy who has been the most sadistic, calculated villain, and he's taken out by Gael's wife. And you nailed it. Everything about this doesn't make sense. The Red Wings hat, is, is it a competition? Cubby and, and Red, what is the Red Wings hat name? Reddy? Uh, Wingy? Let's Shit. call it Wingy. <laughs> Were you a Red Wings fan? I hate the Red Wings. They're, 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 yeah. I hate the Red Wings as much as I hate the Lightning and I hate the Oilers. I hate the Red Wings. See, I, I wouldn't say I hate the Red Wings, but the Red Wings to me, especially the late 90s, early 2000s, like they were so dominant that it was just, it yeah. was to me, it was boring. It, That's why I, I wanted them. something new. Yeah, and, and, and anybody who was not the Red Wings that won the Stanley Cup, like that's one of the reasons I'm a Colorado Avalanche fan. That's one of the reasons I'm a New Jersey Devils fan is because those were the teams that were taking away from Detroit Red Wings every once in a while. My brother loved the Red Wings, though, so give me another reason to hate them, I guess. Uh, same reason <laughs> that he decides he wants to hate the Maple Leafs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's got to be the Red Wings because we've heard Giles from Detroit, I guess. It could have been an L.A. Kings hat, anything. What yeah. is with this Red Wings hat? What is with the Red Wings hat? And, yeah, what is the gun doing there? And it, let's let's also Why is it talk loaded? About, <laughs> it, it's loaded. She knows what to do with it. I mean, this... She, she might as well be like a, a sleeper agent. <laughs> that could be a story for a following season. Uh, and all things that we want to give Kim to do. All right, Kim, you have been a babysitter. We're in the finale. You're going to babysit. You're babysitting Gael's wife. And then they give it to, what, what did you say his name is? Barry? Barry. Barry. Yeah. Barry. Okay. So the Barry. I, I just wish they could have given this job to Ed and he would have done it better. What is Barry doing? He's sitting there. You know, playing Farmville or <laughs> what were people doing in 2004? Uh, Candy Crush, I don't know. Uh, Angry Birds, getting I don't anthrax. think there's a thing getting anthrax. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, he he's doing nothing like give this job to Ed. Speaking of Ed, imagine if it was just like the wall of all the pictures on there, and it was like people do for performance evaluations, and Ed's picture is up there, and she just <laughs> goes out and shoots Ed. Like, yeah. this is what her logic is. I saw a picture. She has no idea this guy's a villain. She has no idea he's responsible. He's technically not even the one responsible for it. I mean, he's a puppet master controlling things, but it's just horrible. It is, I would say, the worst main character death we've had in three seasons. Uh, hands down, I'm trying to think of anything else. Any other, can you think of any other main character deaths that are on um, level with being this I mean, I, look. I just watched one in season seven, which is the worst death I've watched in uh, all of 24. But um, as of now, no, I think you're right. This is probably the worst. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't I don't remember season seven. We'll oh, I didn't see. remember it either in season seven until it happened. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, this is shit. <laughs> it's so, Gael's cousin. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, it's, it's uh, Ed. And- it's Ed, yeah. Ed and Barry. Finally. Listen, listen, they we didn't get up. to do your performance evaluation in 2004. <laughs> so one of you guys is going to die right now. Russian roulette, Barry and Ed. Um, the other thing that really bothers me here is this is a common thing with uh, television shows, movies. We saw with Nina when she was dying, they're like, do everything you can to keep her alive or what's dying in quotations. Uh, with Saunders here, this is the main villain. This is a guy who first has to answer for the crimes he's committed. This is, I would argue, maybe a greater threat than the nuke because the nuke is going to take out one city. This is going to take out the world, basically, if you don't stop it. 
and he is your only lead at this point. And what do they do? He's shot, and they go up there. They just this man's dead. <laughs> oh, doctors are on fire this episode, Colin. Don't get me started on how good doctors are no, in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> no attempt to resuscitate him. Nothing. I, I just really wanted this to be like, oh, sorry, Jack, he's dead. And he's like, help me. I've been shot. We just couldn't save him. I'm bleeding very badly. Time of death, 1210. I'm still here. I'll give you everything you want. Uh, zero effort put in to save him. It's it's like it's like they didn't have Paul Blackthorne for the last episode. And yeah. they're like, okay, we got to film a quick death because you got to go to, I don't know, your, your, your wife's birthday party in Pasadena <laughs> tomorrow when we're filming this scene. So quickly, get a camera set up. Who do we have here? We got Jenny here, one of our PAs. All right, you're going to be Guile's wife. Here's a gun, shoot him. We got to quickly get this. Okay, a couple of angles. There we go. This man's dead. That's it. Paul Blackthorne, thank you for joining us. And then they move on and shoot the next episode. It's so wasted and it's just, it's sloppy and it's just, oh, it's horrible. And uh, it, but it's going to be up from here. Well, I also love the fact that Somebody's just been murdered in the middle of CTU and literally no one blinks. Even Kim's just sort of like, oh, yeah. well, I just killed someone three hours ago. Like, well, luckily I didn't do that. I'm going to trick a finger now. Like, it's just everyone in CTU. Like, I'm sure there are some admin staff there in CTU who aren't agents. We're just, you know, working on, like, HR. The HR department of CTU mm. don't have a weapons training. So I'm sure, like, Belinda in HR is probably like, ah! Like, a man's just been killed. Like, even Belinda's just like, oh, there goes another terrorist being killed. <laughs> nearly one o'clock. That took a bit later than usual. Um, <laughs> surprised Jack didn't do it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's dumb. And, like, one thing I'll say, though, and this is not me defending it, it's, it's nice to just kind of have them kill a character and then not have, like, 17 other, like, men on phones. We had this yeah. in season two and we get this in season six and season seven. Like as soon as some bad guy gets killed off, it's all like, oh no, but there's 17 other people which are involved. Oh, the mm-hmm. conspiracy. Like I will say that that's the one positive to come from this because even as much as, you know, season two that we, we talked about how Tobin Bell and what was the guy's name who called the shot for Mandy to do the thing. Like I don't know that kind of got resolved in the game, but even then they still exist, this shadowy organisation which – I mean, if they had have had a brain in their head, they would have used that shadowy organisation in later seasons and not just create new ones. But um, anyway, I hate this. I just, It's stupid. And Rip Saunders, the best villain of all time in 24 and just out like a little bitch. And it's just like, cool, thanks, 24. That went down well. Um, and the other bit, the, the only other CTU bit, that it's, it's not as bad. It's just cringeworthy. You've got maybe one of the most soap opera scenes in all of 24. And you know I love Tony and Michelle, but, oh, my God, this scene. So, basically, it's Tony is getting interrogated by shit face Hammond and then some weird woman and it's just like so are you trying to say that you put Michelle's life ahead of the country's <laughs> yes okay then you are needed on the floor okay um <laughs> so like let's get Tony out on the floor because he's the only person who can be on a bluetooth headset and state the obvious <laughs> thanks Tony to then he's arrested again uh to which then Michelle's in some dark blue room with sockets and then Tony comes into Michelle Got shot in the neck. Yes, I know. I know, Tony. Yeah. By the way, I'm going back to prison. Oh, no. We can't do this. See you next season. Okay. We'll be in a different storyline. Understood. The end. Tony and Michelle. Um, They'll be very different next season. But, like, I love Tony and Michelle. 
this is the last time we really get to see them in happy times and Tony's getting arrested. Uh, like, it's just, it's very soap opera and it feels out of place in this episode. But, I mean, it's better than the Saunders stuff. That's all I can say with it. Yeah. Uh, first, just addressing why they need Tony on the floor. I mean, Michelle comes in base. He is an asset to us. We've been hearing this for two or three weeks. Literally, he gets on the floor. Like you said, he puts on a Bluetooth headset. Jack, Jack, what's going on? Okay, Adam, do you have any ideas? Oh, good idea, Adam. All right, do what Adam says. Just put Adam in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Adam is calling all the shots here. Tony does nothing. Uh, another thing that's just like, oh, we need some type of final moment for him, but don't bother coming up with something good. Uh, I remembered really loving this final Tony and Michelle scene or the, the final scenes that they have in this episode. Because even before I knew what came in season four, and it's going to get pretty unpleasant in season four and awkward. I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I think you I, maybe you don't remember it. I've just watched it. Uh, well, I don't think it's that on. bad. You're telling me where we pick up on Tony's story? It's not a little bit unpleasant? Oh, it's, I mean, it, it, it's obvious that the writers needed to get some sort of level of, of conflict. And it's just, it's the three tiers of Tony and Michelle. Season, the first season of them together, oh, sexual tension, they'll get together. The second season, they're married, but a bit of conflict. And the next one, they've broken up, but they've got to get back together. So, like, mm. it, yeah, it is a bit on the nose, but you forget about it really quickly. And all of a sudden, you just root yeah, for them to root each other. It's yeah, it's it's going to be a couple of episodes arc. Colin, uh, but- Colin, I'm sorry to keep harping on on this again. I'm watching season seven right now. This stuff <laughs> with Tony is fantastic. All right. Like, don't <laughs> talk see, to I'm me about bad shit they do with Tony until you get to season seven. And see, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about that because I was a fan of that. Oh. That was one of the things I loved about season seven. No. Although, you know, I'm still uh, when we get to season seven, I'm still very divided on why they gave it away in the trailer a year ahead of time. But uh, because that's- the reason they do is because the bluff is in that, oh, no, he's not evil to the bluff that, oh, actually, no, he is evil, which makes no sense across the entire season if you're paying attention. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, but my, my, my point being, the next time we pick up a Tony, he's not going to be the most stable or, you know, <laughs> um, ha- have the best uh, life. Uh, so this is sort of like the last moment Tony gets to be the hero, and yet they really do yeah. nothing with them. But the, these scenes with Tony and Michelle, I remember this being like even not, not knowing where they were going to go, that like, oh, this is like the perfect send off for them. Like, y- yes, I'm really curious. What are they going to do from here? It's sad, but it felt like it was complete. And I was really surprised when I was rewatching this. I'm like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. It's just flat. And maybe it's because we've had so many great Tony and Michelle interactions of the last two seasons, that this being the final one, it's just, it didn't hold up as well as I thought it did. Um, I, yeah. I, I do like though, that they had the balls to go the route of, you know what? You're not going to get away with it. You're probably going to prison. And, and I don't know if you remember what your thoughts were. Like, are we going to get Tony back? Is he actually going to be in prison? Cause I remember thinking at this point, Hey, season four, you know, Tony's either just not going to be in the show or that's going to be a plot line. Like, we got to get Tony out of prison for this new terrorist threat. Well, we'll talk about it probably going into season four, but the whole thing around season four, and we've talked about that reboot, is that none of the the Tonys, the Michelles, the Palmers were ever announced as coming back into it. So when they did come back into it, it was a big, like, oh, my God, look who it yeah. is. So that was done deliberately because when the cast is announced for season four, and it's basically a complete reboot. You've only really got um, Jack and Chloe coming back and everyone else is basically new. 
Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I think in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, we'll see Tony again. We'll see Palmer again. We'll see Michelle again. And ultimately, spoiler alert, we do. But, like, I also, when we get to next season, I remember watching those episodes for the first time, being blown away by going, like, oh, my God, it's Tony. Oh, my God, it's Michelle. Oh, my God, it's Palmer. Like, which doesn't elicit the same reaction when you're binge-watching these very closely because Tony comes back pretty quickly next season. I think it's six yeah, episodes Yeah, is it, like, in. episode four or five? Oh, uh, yeah, it's four, five or six. Michelle's literally Michelle's the halfway like point. Yeah. She, you know, literally the halfway episode, and mm. Palmer's, like, the last four or five episodes. Um but, yeah, I, I always think I assumed he would come back. But, I mean, as we've talked a lot about, just the writers and Tony just have an interesting journey. And, yeah, we kind of get the best stuff with Tony. This is, this, this is the last good Tony stuff we get. Um, and, yeah, it is an interesting plot line to kind of have him face his actions. But, yeah, I, I still feel, given the stuff that Jack does, it's a little bit hypocritical. But, okay. Oh, yeah, um, 100%. You know, um, Although Jack's not going to get off scot free for the rest of the series, he's gonna he's gonna pay for some of his actions too. He does, but in the same way, he also then gets away with it. Like it's it's a weird thing with Jack. Like, and we love Jack, of course, we want Jack to get away. But like, yeah, this is really last Tony. This is this is it because like. I don't like what how they imply Tony and Michelle's relationship goes at the beginning of next season. That's the one bit I don't like about it because to me it doesn't make sense. But like. Tony kind of phones it in for a lot of next season. He he doesn't. There's a large portion of next season where Tony's just like, okay, sure, he's there, and then he gets some interesting stuff to do at the end. But uh, anyway, that's that's next season. Thanks, Tony and Michelle. We should say thank Adam. That's it for uh, Zachary Quinto. You've been good in Twenty Four oh. Land. Just uh, off to bigger and better things for him. He's he, like he, he, they they forget they they literally don't know what to do with him and Kim in the last like three or four episodes, basically. Yeah, I'm actually really curious why they didn't bring him back because they obviously they want to bring back chloe and i would say they struggled more with chloe's character than they did with adam um i actually think that adam i i probably remembered him more fondly and and that's more for the first half of the season but i mean he looking at it now he hadn't signed on to heroes until a year after this so star trek was like five years after this so it's a standard uh, twenty four thing that, like, you literally—I I don't know—but like, generally, you have every season you'll have your CTU crew that are just your one-off season. Like, as in, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's it's a common thing. Like, season one, it was Milo. Well, he comes back. Season two, it was what's her name, Sarah Gilbert, that dies, and like, you know, I guess Michelle yeah. was the new one, but she stuck around. Season three, you know, Chloe's the new one. Adam's the new one. Adam doesn't stick around. Next season, you're gonna have—I can't remember Aaron. her name. Aaron and the other one who, yeah, her uh, and uh, Edgar obviously gets introduced next season, mm-hmm. Curtis, season five. Like every season you've got them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know because, like, the interesting thing I will say about Chloe is that, again, like she kind of feels like a new character next season. She really does. Mm-hmm. She's still got a bit of snark about it, but she's not just annoying, whereas next season it's kind of like, okay, like she, you get the Chloe you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I will say in the later seasons, Chloe phones it in a lot. Like sometimes you wonder in like six and seven, what's Chloe doing there? Um, like she's missing for large portions of season seven, but anyway, but, um, yeah, so I, I liked Adam. I, you know, I always remember when I watched heroes, I was like, Hey, it's thing over in 24 and then Star Trek. Hey, it's, you know, before Zachary Quinto became a thing. So, um, yeah, I like, I don't know, like, in hindsight, what more could have they really done with him, though? Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like, I I, I think I'm more so looking at is in what, what you finish the season, you think, what more could they have done with Chloe? And it, we know going forward, you're going to bring multiple characters back. Like, we're going to get Edgar in more than one season, you know? So 
it, it just it feels weird if you determined you want to bring back Chloe. I would have thought you'd want to bring back somebody else as well, just have an extra Milo. body. But Milo, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's a Milo Chloe storyline that I completely forgot about, which is so bad. But uh, anyway, um, so uh, anything else on CTU that I haven't covered? I think uh, you know. There, there's the Chase and Kim conversation. Uh, uh, yeah. Which wait, the Chase I, I mean, and Kim I guess conversation? This, Do we have a Chase? Oh, and sorry, Kim the or? Jack, Jack and Chase. So I, I don't guess oh, that's, that you're I'm gonna, counting that. I'm going to count. Uh, I, I guess it kind of falls out of line. Yeah, we can we can fit that it's in just, here. I, I, it, yeah, I just thought it was funny because he's basically saying, "Listen, I thought long and hard about it, but I think that I'm going to transfer to the floor mm. because it's safer." So how did that work out for Jamie, Mason, <laughs> Chappelle, Kim, Tony, Gael, Michelle? I mean, I think if you're looking statistically, you have a better Paula. Yeah. You have a better chance at surviving on the field than you do how many field working agents on the floor. I, yeah. I, I, one, two. Yeah, exactly. The, well, season one, we had a couple, didn't we? Um, yeah, no, you're right. That's a, that's a, that's a solid point. Um, but I, I kind of like what they're doing this over coffee. They've gotten their little plastic cups and uh, Chase is bringing Jackie's coffee from the little vending machine. And um, it's a nice scene between the two of them because Chase was meant to die. The, Chase was written in this episode to die. And literally, I think they had filmed a scene of it and they basically had this um, like done and ready to go and they changed their mind at the last minute. So Chase was meant to die on the surgery table in this episode. So mm-hmm. I think if you know that and you watch this scene where Jack's like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to be detached. I'm ready to give it a go with a Kim. It's kind of one of those like, damn it. I was only two days away from retirement sort of speeches. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of like it. Um, so yeah, it's a nice scene. Um Sure. Um. <laughs> I, I I think that scene, the, the reason I really want to talk about the scene, because I was assuming watching this the first time, well, he's definitely dying now. And yeah, so it's actually kind same. of a surprise he doesn't die. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure once the, the season ended, I'm like, eh, there's no reason to bring Chase back now, you know, because y- you assume if somebody says that, like, yeah, oh, two days to retirement and then they're going to be dead. But then when you don't kill them, you're like, OK, well, now what do you do with I, them? You know, I feel he's lost the hand. I feel they planned to bring him back. I just feel they did. And I, I reckon that probably came down to Alicia Cuthbert. Like, I don't know what sort of happened if they mm. deliberately wrote it. Like, I can't imagine if Alicia Cuthbert wanted to come back that they wouldn't keep her. You know, she is the second biggest star on this show besides Kiefer Sutherland. So mm. I, I, from what I remember, and I could be making this up, I feel that Alicia Cuthbert was the one who walked away because she wanted to try new things. So had she come back as still being part of the main cast, I can't imagine you don't have Chase involved. Yeah. Um, or maybe just you do what you did with um, Sarah Winter at the beginning of this season and just kind of have like a phone call. Um, mm-hmm. and just like, you know, let's tie those loose ends up. Um, Trying to dial the number with his hook. Yeah. Because <laughs> he does get mentioned. like Because ne- Kim's not in it at all next season. But you do get a mention of them. And then season five when Kim's come back, Kim comes back for like two episodes, you get mentions of Chase. There's a lot more to it than I think you remember. And then, again, as I think we've established in the extended universe in a book, uh, Chase comes back completely. So, um, yeah, I'd like to maybe read that. So, I, yeah, this is Chase's last episode, sadly, Jane's Badge Dale. Uh, James Stumpy Arm Dale, maybe, <laughs> as we'll get to. Um, Palmer drama, there's not a whole lot to it this week, but what we get is great. Um, I, I I do love this opening scene with Palmer and his assistant guy who's basically like, 
And what we can say firmly is that it was Saunders who was behind the attack. It's like, yes, we know. We've known that now for 10 hours. This guy is the laziest assistant. He's just like gotten out of bed. All right, what's the time? Oh, shit, nearly one. Better get into the office. All right, what have I got in the desk here? Okay, Miss President, um, Saunders, definitely the guy behind the attack. And Palmer's like... In case you're not in the loop, a nuclear bomb was detonated. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a passenger jet went over the Mojave (laughs) Desert. We might have some passenger lists soon. Oh, and Tony got shot in the neck. Um, (laughs) But like, and I I do love how Palmer's all like, you know, oh, but unless we get this guy at the subway station, and it's like, oh, yep, possibly. Well, we better get on to that. Thanks for Basil Exposition here to just, you know, clarify for the audience who have tuned in in episode 24 of 24 that we're there. Uh, that aside, I love this scene. Wayne comes in, basically is like, sup, David, how you doing? And <laughs> David's like, good, did you get the bottle? Yeah, yeah, got the bottle, got the bottle. Um, by the way, uh, this is awkward. Um, yeah, you know that woman you married? Yes, <laughs> Sherry, yep. Yeah, so um, how do I put this? Uh, you know when you're, like, not alive? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Sherry's that. Are you saying she's dead? Yeah, that's and, it. And uh, we, we can't quite figure out how to not make her dead. Yeah, so, um, yeah, shit happens. Uh, do you want to get a Dodgers game this afternoon? I think we leave now, probably beat the traffic. Uh, I hear the Red Wings are in town. Yeah, shame that guy L's dead. He would have loved it. Um, but, I mean, all seriousness, it's a great scene, and I just I love David's reaction to hearing that Sherry's dead because, like, it's kind of... I don't know how to describe it. Remember I said back when Nina died, I felt like there needed to be more reaction to Nina dying. It was just kind of swept under the rug within five minutes. This is kind of something I want. Like I want David's reaction. It's no matter that he's divorced from Sherry, that she's a pain in the ass, that she's caused all these things, that she's evil, stroking a cat evil. This is still the reaction you would expect him to have because he is, she is, was the mother of their children as she, as he says. And like, I just, I love kind of this way that it's just, it's finally caught up to David that basically it gets to the point now where he just can't hide this anymore because you got Wayne here basically just going like, all right, it's all right. We can, we can cover this up. And David's just like, no, it's like, no, it's all right. David's it's like, no, <laughs> like great acting from Dennis Haysburg. It's a bit cheesy, but I love it. I just love it. And then just, he just has this look on his face where it's just like, Wayne, I need a moment. And then he, he kicks Wayne out, calls up Cheryl on the phone, whoever it is. And it's like, I need my children on the phone, which I remember watching this. Oh, we're going to get to see Keith and Nicole. Yay. Um, and I wonder if like they maybe did do a deleted scene and it just didn't fit the fit the episode. But um, that's basically it because the next scene we're going to get with Palmer is him on the phone to Jack, which is a, a, a fantastic scene. Uh, the last time they speak as president and non-president, well, Jack's not president, and basically Palmer's just saying, what's up, Jack? How you doing? You're awesome. Uh, thanks for everything. You're great. Um you know, let's grab a beer when I'm a private citizen, like to become better friends, which I love that little moment when he's like, oh, I hope that when I'm a private citizen, we can become better friends. Like, I just I just want them to just call up on a Saturday. So, what are you doing? Nothing. Do you, you want to go see a Dodgers game? Sure, all right, let's let's go. I'll pick you up. Um, but, obviously, yeah, Palmer obviously says this is where we find out that he will not seek a second term. He's like, this will be my only term. Um, doesn't allude to why. Says to Jack, like, keep it quiet. Um and he's going to call up Chase. Chase is going to get a phone call from the president as well. I, I like, 
it's just simple. It's like there's something about this where it kind of feels like something maybe is missing and you would like there to be a bit more about him, you know, not seeking re-election. But I feel it's just perfect. Like you get this great scene where he reacts to Sherry dying. Even Wayne, D.B. Woodside's great when it's like the woman I love killed herself in front of me. Um, although the, I will say the, the cheesy bit when he grabs Wayne and he's like, are you saying they're both dead? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a bit cheesy. But um, I don't know. It's just simple. And then just the scene, the phone call with Jack. Um, I mean, God, if I didn't already have three possible top fives, that could be another one. Um, it's just a great moment. And then I love the little split screens at the end before we get to the final scene how you just got Palmer sitting in his car and you got all the people in the car outside. It's just a poignant ending to the David Palmer presidency. There will be another Palmer president. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like it. Keith. I really like this. Keith. President He's Keith. He's watching the tube. <laughs> Vote for uh, the tube. I'm, gl- I'm glad, though, you said you kind of want something more with, like, his reasonings because that's the way I felt. Um, I, I do love the scene between him and Wayne, uh, with, cause you, you watch a TV show and you don't expect certain things like you expect, okay, well, when this comes up, it's going to be like, how did that happen? You don't expect that you're going to get what would be a very natural reaction, which is that this is the mother of my children. Like, it's not even so much his shock of Sherry is dead. Uh, it's that natural reaction of like, there's more to this than just, Hey, this whole ordeal is over. And, Sherry's dead and I'm shocked she's dead. It's like, this is the mother. What am I going to tell my children? How is this going to affect everything? Uh, and the one thing they don't really address, which is where I'm a little bit divided uh, on whether we should have had another scene is the fact that this really solves nothing. Like they, they basically say, well, listen, the bottle's gone. It's all good now, but, but it really isn't like, let's just say he decides to continue to seek reelection. Uh, what would happen is Keeler knows. So now you have within the span of one day, the ex-husband of your girlfriend is dead. Uh, This old family friend is dead, Alan. Uh, His wife murder suicide with your ex-wife. And there is the man who are you running, running against who knows what happened. Like all he would have to say is, listen, just investigate a little bit further. Like, so, but the fact that they don't really address that, they don't say, well, listen, I can't get away with this. It's the only way the audience would actually accept it. But yet I do, I kind of want a moment where David's like, regardless of whether we get away with it or not, I have now been guilty of this, 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 and this. I'm not fit to run. But the, I, I think you said it in what you just said there that, it's implied enough that the audience knows. I don't think you need that at all because like, you've got Wayne who's kind of panicking a bit like, oh, we can still get it. We can still do this. And you can just tell that David just, he's had enough. Like this, like, this has gone too far. There's no way we're going to get away with this. Like it's just, we're fucked up and I, I, I'm i not seeking re-election. I can't, I can't keep doing the lies. This has just, it's gotten too much. So to me, I don't think you need that because I think it's implied enough and you just, you just see it in David's face and like, yep, this is, this is enough. And, Maybe it's the fact that that first scene between David and Wayne is so strong uh, yeah. where he, th- that, that kind of has teased me. I want more. I want something where these two guys are really like, what happened? You know, <laughs> and yeah. maybe it doesn't have to be running through all the events of the day, but just be like, what did we do? Like, like I think we can't go on like this. Yeah. I think the other one that also sells it is in that phone call with David and Jack 
is you've got that moment where you hear Jack saying, like, if it was all due respect, sir, I think you're making a mistake. And you just see David looking at Wayne and Wayne just kind of like, like, yeah, he's right, but what more can we do? Like, yeah. um, you know, um, and like this is where as much as we've bagged out, David has actually been kind of a shitty president. I think what, as we've always said, you love about David is that even though realistically a man of integrity, he's done some shady shit. I think like this is why we love him because even yeah. now he's not going to cover shit up. If this is Logan or, you know, Noah Daniels and all these other presidents out there that we get, like they're going to do everything to cover their asses. Whereas Palmer's, you know, yeah, he's done some shady shit. I think that just all comes down to the fact it's like, it's like one of those beloved survivor players who are like, Oh, I never lie. Of course they do. They've got to do stuff. They have to, you know, yeah. but like, on the surface of it, they're they're coming across as an integral an integral man who with you know all this kind of stuff on there. So, yeah, I, I just think it's it's a perfect way to end him as a president. Um, and it's going to be weird to think that not that we ever saw a president in season one, but um, you know, as from this point onwards, we're never going to know him as our president. Maybe his brother, but uh, you know, uh, or maybe. son, or son. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the reboot, reboot. Who knows? But um. But- yeah. Well, I think I've mentioned that a couple times or the first three seasons that one of the things I like is that David does get his hands dirty and he does shady things that let's be honest, if this scandal ever came out, it would be bigger than Watergate. This would be the greatest scandal in the history of the United States. Three people are dead. Four people are dead <laughs> because yeah. of David Palmer's orders. It would be the biggest scandal in U.S. history. And you don't need to dwell on that. And what I like is throughout all three seasons, he makes decisions that I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying the fact is there is no politician who can get by without their hands getting a little bit dirty. And you could dig as much as you wanted to any world leader and find something scandalous that would end their career. But that's kind of part of the job, you know, right or wrong. That's kind of part of the job. And they don't dance around that with David. And what actually makes him the heroic character is the fact that he does step away. And I don't think I saw that, you know, when, when this was originally airing, but I definitely see it more now that like he becomes the hero character because he says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I would go out on a limb and say that if you were to vote on your presidents as the most uh, president with the most integrity, who really doesn't do anything wrong. And this is coming from the fact that I'm not up to season eight yet. And I haven't rewatched that. President Taylor, Cherry Jones, yeah. doesn't really do any shady shit from what I've seen so mm-hmm. far. There's one bit where she kind of does something, but it's like, no, Palmer worse. Even Keela, like in the fact that he was threatening Palmer, you know, to do that, which is part of the job. I mean, Keela's just there next season and he's stupid son. Um, but I fucking, God, I love Cherry Jones and, and mm-hmm. Pre- President Taylor. I love Palmer, but if I'm to rank my presidents and my love for them, I mean, you like Logan for different reasons. But, um, oh, God, I love Cherry Jones, that woman. Oh, make her really president. I want her to be the real president. And, and, what, and what, a, what a first husband. Oh, yeah, him. He doesn't get completely forgotten about <laughs> very shortly. <laughs> and remember they have a daughter that just randomly pops up halfway through the season that is never Do mentioned they? until. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then their son, who is in redemption, and then gets killed off screen and gets the whole, yeah. Like, I, I, I vaguely the remember the holes. son. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, then Leslie Hope. Um, not Leslie Hope. Les- not Leslie, Leslie Hope. Hope. Carly Pope. That's who I'm thinking of. There's Hopes and Carly Pope. I'm thinking of the different popular actress mixing it with the other Leslie. So, um, yes. 
she's why know. are they calling me Carly? What is with this cougar? <laughs> uh, anything to add on the Palmer and the Palmer presidency until we talk about the Palmer presidency in three more seasons time? Uh, I know. I mean, I'm actually excited for Palmer next season because my timeline's all messed up. I actually thought Palmer came in earlier than the last couple no. episodes, but I mean, when he does come back, that was one of the biggest surprises of that season. Him stepping down here, as we've sort of alluded to, it is a snowball effect, you know, with Keela coming mm-hmm. in and then that's going to lead to Logan and then that's going to lead to some other stuff. So basically, I'm just saying this now, Palmer stepping down is the reason why we get Jack's family in season six. I'm saying it right now. Thanks, Palmer. That's why we get Daddy Bauer. Uh, so it's all well, your fault, Wayne. Palmer. I'm going to say thank Wayne for not keeping in his pants. That's the real culprit True. here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just keep keep that massive dong in your pants, DB. Um, so there you go. Uh, we'll talk about DB again more in Season 5 because we don't obviously get to see him again till Season 5. So uh, no more DB. But he comes back, everyone. Don't worry. Um, so the Jack story, I'm going to set the raises into three sections because I think there's three sections here. You've got the subway stuff, you've got the school stuff, and then you've got the final scene. Um, so really the subway stuff, I mean, I, again, I love, I love this. I loved it like the last episode, but I kind of like this sort of spy-esque nature of it where they've got to separate them all into little groups. And then we finally get our first visual of what this guy is and they've got to take little photos of them. And then basically they're going to go through all their bags. We've got lazy Ed cop here. It's like... Sergeant, we need to go through every single bag. That could take all day. Well, not if we find it. <laughs> and he's like, all right, gets on the radio. All right, Larry and Fred, let's get to it. Come on, old government agent. He's telling us what to do. Um, if Barry was there, they could have done it quicker. I know, bloody Barry, right? Um, so they're all Red Wings fans, let's be honest. So Jack's on the scene. He's got his little Jack nose on, his bloodhound nose, and he sees a random looking. I'm glad, I'm so glad this guy's white. Like, I mean, God, it's like, yeah. it just would have been racist, Jack. That guy's not white. Um, there he is. Uh, he's from Utah. Um, <laughs> Wyoming. So, Wyoming. Uh, so this guy escapes. He's the quickest stabber in the world. He's able to run from one point, murder two LAPD officers, and then carjack with no screaming, by the way. I do love the fact that then they run to these two dead cops. They just You just hear a bit of a commotion at the top of the stairs, and some guy's like, oh, he drove down that way. Um, <laughs> you know, is it, at, um, is it Back to the Future 2 when that guy's like, I think he took his wallet. Yeah, he took, I his, think he wallet. took his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just what this guy reminds me of. <laughs> So the, the guy's escaped. Um, he's off in a car, and we're going to have a car chase going on here. Uh, I do like the little nod to uh, our beloved John Kazar here when they've got the wallet, and they're basically going like, yes, we need to get a DMV search. And what's his name? Uh, his name is Frank Kazar. Frank Kazar <laughs> is the guy who is uh, the car. Poor Frank Kazar, dead on the streets of L.A. Um, so we get a car chase going on here in the streets as they're chasing after this terrorist guy. Uh, I do love Jack getting stuck behind a truck or whatever. It's like, move the traffic out of the way now! <laughs> Angry Jack. <laughs> Bit of Milo Westerbeb there. Um, <laughs> only it was a helicopter. <laughs> only it was a helicopter, exactly. And then this leads to a school. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause it there. Anything to add on kind of this subway sort of, you know, spy-esque sort of mode? I, I, I love the kind of going through the people and then into this car chase. It's pretty cool. We're 72 episodes into this series and you just get used to this is how they handle situations. So I like when they'll throw something very mundane out there that like this is the way they would handle it in the real world. Like we have everybody, we're rounding up all the people who match our description and they're going to pose and we're going to 
you know, stream this back to CTU headquarters. It, it doesn't make the most compelling television unless you're really just viewing this like it, it is the suspense you're building. Uh, and this is also the first time we really get a glimpse of this, this Rabin guy and his kind of suspicious looks. And I, I was thinking the whole thing, again, not remembering this part of it, the whole time I'm like, why is this guy just not running? Why isn't he coming up with an escape plan? And it actually makes it more suspenseful that he's not. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, credit to them for doing something different that's probably just realistic. But the amount of security they have uh, to keep these people in the terminal, but no security at all to prevent them from getting out. Like you had two guards. I, I feel like this is the biggest threat they've ever had you should have the entire LAPD out there blocking they should be joining hands like if you ever play that game what is it Red Rover as a kid uh yeah we might call it something different here but I think I know what you're talking about yeah like you join join hands and then somebody has to run and you have to try to break through the hands on the other side like let's have him doing that around the subway station (laughs) it does feel a little bit lazy his whole escape like you said nobody screams He's just out. And then, uh, I mean, the, the, the chase stuff they have is fantastic too. Like, uh, I, I love the car chase and, um, you know, Jack, Jack on the, the Jack on the case chasing Jack on the chase, chase, <laughs> chase on the chase. There we go. we got one more chase, 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 a uh, chase, 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 a chase, chase. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's suspense building and that's why it works. It doesn't necessarily have to be that because the action's going to come. And that's where I think it sells itself so well is the suspense. And it's grounded in like, yeah, there's definitely things that we can nitpick and go, that's not realistic. But the problem this show has moving forward is the the line it draws between somewhat realistic and just so over the top, it's bordering on like cartoony. And yeah. that's where well, you, you start to see a bit of that next season on a level bit of it season five then season six it just goes oh we're a cartoon now and then season seven you think they've grounded it but no we're back to being a cartoon again um so like i'm relishing watching this episode again because of the stuff i've been watching when it just goes beyond stupid um you know and they just they take it to a certain level so yeah i i also uh we we put in our top five i'm pretty sure like the final showdown in the the coliseum or whatever in season two but even that, like the action was pretty far fetched. You know, I think Jack was jumping like 20 feet uh, down to a floor and he was, you know, giving people like scissor kicks in the air. Like it wasn't exactly the most realistic stuff. And yet this is grounded. It's like if the guy's going to escape, he's just going to stab somebody. It's not going to be some big massive fight scene. It's not going to be he's he's somehow got chloroform and he chloroforms guys. And, he, and the fight scene is going to come up you know, in the school even better. It uh, didn't make our top five, actually. I think it just missed oh. out. I just I looked at our top five from last uh, season, but it didn't. Uh, yeah, so this school, I, I, I like, this is the thing about finales, and this is, I think, where it will come to why I hated the ending, um, you know, shortly. Because, like, at this point, we're watching finales and we're used to certain things being a certain way. So season yeah. one, we had the the Jack compound shootout where he's killing all the Drazens and the massive shootout that he gets there. Last season, we had the Coliseum one. This season, we've got the school. You know, it's kind of – it's and but it's literally Chase, Jack, and uh, Rayburn here, basically. And, like, I, I love – like this kind of setting. I love kind of like the school and Jack just being so smart, like don't evacuate. He'll be able to get out. Like let's lock it down. And then you kind of got this like room to room search and you got this like really like, is it freaky? Is it, I don't know, like disturbing scene of Jack pointing his gun at kids. Yeah. Um, you know, like stranger danger. Ah, um, this is where like those Republicans, they want to have um, the teachers with guns, right? Jack would be dead if this was uh, how the Republicans <laughs> get their way. 
The teacher should have guns. Yeah, and then Jack Bauer <laughs> would be dead. Shut up. Yeah, uh, art teacher Mrs. Malik has shot him in the head. <laughs> how'd that be for a plot twist? Season 3, episode 24, Jack Bauer killed. How did he die? Mrs. Jenkins, the art teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Active shooter on campus. Um, but anyway, so Chase is in uh, joining Breaking Bad here. He's smashing up some uh, canisters looking for Walter White. He's scared of a fish. We've got bloop, bloop going on in the background. <laughs> Chase points his gun. And then Rabens comes at him. Oh, look out. He's got a knife. Um, and we get... <laughs> Just love that scene in Austin Powers. Look out! He's got a knife. Um, but we get this cool like hand-to-hand combat. And what I actually like about this, it's not Jack. Like, yeah, kind of cliche that it's Jack, and it kind of works here. It's sort of like we talked about on 007, Goldfinger. It's not Bond who saves the day. It's random guy. So here's Chase and Ravens having a bit of a fight. Uh, Chase is kind of getting his ass kicked. Let's be honest. But then he jumps on the canister and he locks it on his arm. Because this is a smart thing to do, so Rabens doesn't escape with it. I love Rabens. He's like, no! Um, I do have to question why he sets it off, though. Like, I guess it's more of a, like, a, okay, well, my job is to set the thing off. You know, why didn't he just set it off in the subway when he's waiting? Like, he literally could have just Get gone, more beep, people. Beep, psh, and then people yeah. died straight away. Um, to me, like, maybe, like, he sets it off. And then he goes, he gets up to go to shoot Chase and then obviously Jack kills him. But, like, wouldn't the smart thing to do to kill Chase, then chop his arm off and then go and do it? Like, I don't yeah. know. I guess you've got to add the tension right to this last scene. But anyway, um, so Ravens is dead. And then we realise that this uh, titanium clip cannot come off Chase's arm. So Jack's on the phone. This is where Tony's useful on Bluetooth. Jack, what is it? It's stuck to Tony's arm. Okay, I'll connect you to somebody else who knows more. Thanks, Tony. You're under arrest again. Uh <laughs> Um, so we call up uh, Roger Summers here. Hello, Roger Summers, uh, <laughs> star of this episode. Yes, jackets. Roger Summers, cut the red wire. Uh, um, I don't know. We're, we're pretty busy down here. I'm gonna have to give you a call back. <laughs> God, you guys are still doing that. We're in New York. We fucking did it 20 minutes ago. I'm getting some pizza here. We're going to see the Yankees. You want to join us? Uh, not the Red Wings. They're sadly not in town. Um, so, But we do get this, like, great scene, though, where it's like, okay, cut the red wire without it touching anything. Okay, all right. Now cut the green wire. Roger? Yes, Jack. Don't have a green wire. Well, fuck. We'll get back Are to you, you Jack. colorblind? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, But I, I kind of just like Roger was just like, well, then, let's, uh, let us get back to you. It's like literally knows there's got, like, two minutes to go. Uh, we get, you know, a cliche, we're running out of time. Uh, so, again, I love kind of like Chase. He's like, come on, Jack, you're going to leave me here. And he's like, damn it, Chase, I'm not going to leave you. Come on, Jack. No, I'm not leaving the future husband of my daughter. And then I just, I love this because I remember watching this and I just kind of like Jack, he looks at the axe and then Chase looks at the axe and he's just like, do it. And he's just sort of like, no, we've got my time. Like, no, you got to do it. And like, I remember watching this going like, no, they're not going to do this. They're not going to do this. He gets the axe, he gets all Leo and Kate on it and gets the axe and then chop, Chase passes out. The score from Sean Callery here, the... It's like, oh, it's so good. And then we've got Jack running down the corridor. He goes up to the kids in the room, goes to throw it into the room with the kids and the kid's like, ah! And he's all like, oh, no, 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 don't kill the kids. So he, what did he think of? That obvious fridge that we saw in the lunchroom before. So <laughs> Mrs. Jenkins' sandwich is completely ruined oh. because 
damn it, that's my lunch. <laughs> Jenny's yogurt's done. <laughs> Throw, there's a, there's enough food in that uh, fridge that's rotten that probably would have exploded anyway. But throws it in the fridge, closes the door, boom, done. There we go. So armless chase, destroyed, contaminated sandwiches, which again, nitpick, like, Fridges have ventilation, right? Like, mm. um, like, I'm sorry. Jack, you're exposed. You dead. Um, you killed 7B next door. Health, basically. They're dead. Um, but, I mean, it's epic. Like, fuck, I, I, I forgot to mention, I put the, the Wayne tells David about Sherry as a potential top five. This is a top five. Like, I, I this was in my 24 moments of 24 video, Chase getting his arm chopped off, because this is one of those quintessential 24 moments of, they're not going to do that, and they do it. Chase mm-hmm. loses his freaking arm, and we save the day. So, uh, Jack Bauer's going to find the virus, and he did. <laughs> um. I mean, everything works about this. It's so different from what we got in the first season. The first season, we had Jack literally plowing through docks, you know, uh, and this massive showdown with the villain. And like you said, this is Chase with a henchman. Uh, and, and it works. Like, I, I kept wanting to poke holes in this, be like, ah, uh, does it really work it just being a henchman that we got introduced to an hour ago? Uh, but it actually does work. And, and it, it partly works because Raven's still like, you don't know his mindset. I think one thing that uh, I really liked on his rewatch was uh, the scene where, where Saunders is basically detailing, you know, okay, what are their orders? And he says, their orders is literally just release it. I don't know where he's going to release it. It's just release it in the most populated area. Uh, so we don't know what this guy's going to do. And we, we kind of, I, I think are, are led to believe that all of these couriers like they are just as diehard and uh, extreme as Saunders is like, it is about, we are going to disrupt the world. And it's all, it's a suicide mission if it needs to be. So I, I really feel there's a threat with Raven here that you don't know what he's going to do. And and even when it comes down to that moment where he's got the thing on Chase's hand, like, I love that he basically, he, he examines it. He takes his gun out and he goes, uh, should I, should I? he's trying to figure it out in his head. He's like, yeah, it's all about releasing the virus. I'll just leave it. Um, the fight scene is vicious too. Like I, I would put mm. this fight scene with Chase and, and Raven up there is maybe the most, it, it's, it kind of reminds me of from Russia with love. You know, we love that fight scene on the train and from Russia with love because it is gritty. They're right in their face. They're elbowing each other. It's very close quarters. Uh, and we, we are reminded of the fact that Chase lost a hand because <laughs> that's going to be the one expendable part of his body that we're allowed to take here. Um, everything about it works. Uh, I I love that moment, like you said, where they're just looking at the axe because as an audience, you don't know what they're going to do. Like we're going to get to the very ending here when you talk about we're conditioned at this point to thinking this is what a finale is going to deliver. Uh, you're going to get the big showdown with the villain and now we're getting this. And you're also conditioned to we're going to have some type of shocker on the end, but you're not conditioned to we're going to chop a man's hand off. We yeah. should have been after this season, though, like because look at what we have done through this season. You know, Jack's been addicted to heroin. Chase got his hand shot and burned and gasoline poured on it. Tony got shot in the neck. Like there's been a lot of things where they pushed the envelope of what you could do on network television. Yet still, I think this was probably one of the most jaw-dropping moments I ever had watching the show. I'm like, they just cut off the main character's hands with an axe. And this is network television. You never expect to see that. Um, It's so exciting to watch this even still. Like I can see why this was like from this scene on is what I watched over and over and over again, even if I didn't feel the need to watch the entire episode. And also like you mentioned this, the fact the stakes are, it's a middle school. 
we don't need this to be the most populated area. Like it is, if we're going to nitpick, it is a bit of a plot hole, like you said, that he wouldn't set this off on the subway station because that has a lot of people there. And mm. the subways connect everywhere. So, I mean, even if you close down this station, I mean, that tunnel, you can't cordon off that tunnel. The virus is now leaking to every tunnel in all of Los Angeles instantly because there is no door to close. The middle school is, you would think it's not as dangerous a situation, but I love that they go as far as to be like Jack saying, no, we're not getting the kids out of the school because we can't risk him getting out. We can't risk the virus getting out. So now your stakes are you have children <laughs> and you're going to lock them in there. We love that scene where he was going to send Jane in to die and they don't feel the need to dwell on it here, but the stakes are you're going to kill a bunch of kids. And then yeah. you see him pulling a gun on those kids. I also love Chase kind of like suspiciously reaching his hand in his jacket around the school. I'm like creepy man covered in blood, reaching his hand in his jacket in the middle school. Ben does this. I mean, he's in a paddy wagon outside. Yeah, but I <laughs> don't look Jack like James Batchdale. I mean, that man can get away. But that's what good-looking people can get away with. Come on. That's the difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I I do have to wonder why when the thing was strapped to his wrist. I mean, we have that incredible moment where you know Raven's like, should I? Shouldn't I? And then Chase that that uh, that revelation. He doesn't have to say no, Jack. There's no way. Usually in a show like this you have a hard time explaining to the audience, well, why wouldn't they just look for the key? There's got to be a key. But him just saying, listen, Raven didn't even try to get it off. There, yeah. if, if there was a way to get it off, he would have gotten it off. It's fantastic. I mean, why they didn't at that point say, now get the kids out of the school, I don't know. Uh, I, I kept wanting to poke holes in this and, and be like, okay, so why don't they bring the hazmat crew in and they could put a gas mask on Chase and then shove Chase in the fridge, you know? But like every everything that I thought of would actually see more far-fetched than what they did. And I think that is when a finale and a climax really works is when you're trying to figure out, oh, but logically, you you know lo- your logical idea. Most of the time when we're coming up with, oh, but this doesn't make any sense, we're not saying it makes better TV. We're just saying it doesn't make sense. But when you can have something that actually makes sense and is exciting and works as good television, that's when you have a good climax. The thing that I've noticed is that Odd number seasons always seem to have some sort of bio or sort of virus threat. And there also always now seems to be a scene where we have a major character running with it to put it in some sort of glassed off area. We get it with Curtis in season five. And literally the episode I watched before we started recording this and before I watched this one was season seven with Jack doing the same thing in season seven. So um, people running with bio weapons basically is the thing. I wanted to read this bit from the book uh, now because I think this is just the time for it, uh, sort of a behind the scenes thing about the the hand section. Um, James Badgedale says, They gave me a rubber hand and there was one point where my hand was tucked into my sleeve and Kiefer had this rubber axe. He's staring at me with that look on his face and I'm like, oh man, don't hit me. And he's going, I'll try not to. We were both a little nervous. They did this wide shot where Kiefer comes down, cuts off the hand, picks it up, moves it over, takes a virus thing. I pass out and he runs out the room. They call action. Keeper cuts a hand off. He nicks the rubber hand. The hand literally flies 20 feet across the room, but he didn't see it go. You just see it shoot across the room and he's standing there and can't find the hand. He's looking all over for it and finally just turns and goes, where the fuck is the hand? Uh, <laughs> that's the scene I want in 24. I want yeah, Keeper Sutherland. Where the, the fuck is the hand? <laughs> that's the bit that I want. Um, but, uh, yeah, epic, epic scene. And, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, 
they're not going to do it scene and they end up doing it, which leads us into, I guess, the last bit. I mean, first of all, can we just point out, once again, like the beginning of season two when it was Megan's got concussion within two seconds, uh, Chase is in hospital and in surgery (laughs) in five minutes. I'm so glad that this school must be a medical school. Um, (laughs) Convenient, right? Um, Because, seriously, Jack's there and he gets a phone call from the president and then this is when we get the obligatory end-of-season Kim and Jack scene. And uh, straight away she's like, oh, he's in surgery, he'll be okay. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty confident they can get the hand. It's been five minutes! <laughs> you know what? Jack should be quarantined. Like, the risk they're taking, they wanted to quarantine Michelle for 24 hours after she tested as immune. They're just taking Jack's word. Uh, don't worry about it. I totally got it into the fridge before it went off. How do they yeah. know? He could be sick yeah. and carrying it. There's no questions here asked about it. So <laughs> He's, he's going right up to the doctor. All right, mm, thank you. <laughs> But, uh, you know, good old surgeons here. Like, Tony gets shot in the neck and Chase... Also, glad that it was Chase's hand that he got shot in before as well, by the way. So, uh, yeah. luckily... But they also say here, like, oh, they think he, they may be able to reattach... It. I always thought that, like, the hand was done. But they kind of leave it up in the air here, like, hey, he might get to keep his hand. I, again, I would assume that's, uh, oh, he's probably going to come back next season and we don't want to go out and have yeah. to always have him go out in a limb <laughs> and always have him have a stump, you know, moving forward because, you know, hard yeah. to make up and effects. This is this is complete sidebar away from 24. I'm going to give you props for probably the hardest I've ever laughed at, at an unintentional bad pun that you've ever made. Uh, Breaking Bad episode that you recorded, the Mike Mike's death episode where you, you said something about drop the mic moment. He goes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be insensitive. I didn't mean drop the mic. I just burst. Out. I was literally alone six o'clock in the morning, walking outside. And I heard you say, drop the mic. And I just lost it. I don't even remember that, but drop the mic funny. limb out on a limb. My out new favorite Ben puns. <laughs> and that's a Ben fact. Um, <laughs> People who hear that sound effect on this show have no idea why we play it. Listen to 007. Um, then we get this insight. Now, like, to put this in, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts when you were watching this because this is a part where, like, you're watching this for the first time and you know there's, like, two minutes to go. You see Jack leaving the hospital and you're like, okay, here we go. What's going to happen? Like, you know, I honestly thought, my, I think my opinion was, Jack was going to sit in the car and his nose would start to bleed and then that would be yeah. the end of the season. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I was like, <gasps> like, you know, holy fuck. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but no, we get Jack. He's walking outside the school. Hey, going, Larry, you know, not the school, the hospital, of course. Gets in the car and he just breaks down. He just starts crying. It all finally gets to him. He's bashing on the door. He's just absolutely lost it. Uh, just crying his eyes out, and then he gets interrupt- interrupted by some CTU prick on the phone um, who, plot hole, don't want to take away from this moment, but the whole bit of when Jack's on the phone going like, damn it, Michelle, if Saunders dies, he's our only person who knows anything. Why at the end here are they like, Jack, we need you to come and question Saunders' courier? Okay. <laughs> Clearly not then. Clearly Saunders wasn't the only one. And what about all the people you captured in all the other cities who were yeah, about to... Yeah, you've got 12 people now. <laughs> anyway, but like... I absolutely hated this scene. I remember watching this for the first time. Might have been a lack of silent clock because this is the first time we've got a season finale with no silent clock. And I was just like, what the hell is this? Like, what? Like, what? I remember watching this going like, that's not the ending. Like, 
there's another episode next week. Like, that can't be the ending. You can't just have Jack sitting in a car crying. I'm like, that's so stupid. This is so dumb. Where's the assassination attempt? Where's somebody getting killed? Like, this is what 24 had ingrained you to think this is going to happen. I hated it. I was so mad. I would have been like 17 watching this, and I was furious. But now, in retrospect... This is maybe the second best ending ever of any season mm-hmm. of 24 because the thing that I love now watching any scene of 24 when Jack cries, it just elevates it. Literally, it will give me goosebumps. This gets me emotional because like, it's just it's that level where this is a guy who's just hard as nuts, tough balls to the wall, you know, action man, and he's crying. He's, like, losing it. Like, okay, he cries when Terry dies, but, like, there's more to that than this scene, you know, and it's just there's just something about it. There's a I think I talked about it when we did our third watch coverage. There's um Bosco Jason Wiles, my favorite character, and there's two scenes with him where he cries, and there's one where he just breaks down at the end of this episode, and I think that made our top ten moments of all time. And it just it breaks me watching it because again you've got a character. It's like it's like if an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Sylvester Stallone in the eighties like broke down and cried because you know they were killed. Like it's just you're not used to seeing it. And it's just, oh, Kiva Sutherland, holy crap. Do I need to say how amazing he is in this scene? Um, just everything has gotten to him and he's just he just loses it at the end. And then even Jack Bauer cannot have two minutes to just cry his eyes out because Lenny from accounts wants to get something signed off. So, oh, God, like I, I hate myself that I hated this scene when it first came on. Stupid 17-year-old Ben with his stupid opinions. Um <laughs> Now I've only just got some, but yeah, this scene, uh, obviously top five. I'm going to say this right now ahead of next week, the second best moment of the season. I, I, I would, I would have agreed with you. I might go as far now as saying rewatching this now, it might even be the, oh, it's tough between, if you're talking about finales, this might even top season one for me. Um, there are other moments. It, it, there's, there's just something about this that works on so many levels and yet I, I, I didn't hate it like you did. We've discussed, you know, uh, on and off throughout, but I was, I was definitely like caught off guard. Like, is that it? Like, cause you are expecting something and it's, it's that being conditioned uh, now three seasons. Let's all say it's not even just a 24 thing. There are four TV shows that all launched the same month, basically that all were kind of like the early shows that adopted this serialized format. I mean, Alias and 24 are the pioneers. They both came on the air at the exact same time and both had 100% serialized. Every episode was a cliffhanger leading into the next one. Every season was an ongoing story. Uh, But then you had other shows like Smallville, which, you know, by the end of season one, they're like, well, let's do a cliffhanger. And then season two, they started to serialize. And then there was Star Trek Enterprise that, you know, around season two, season three, they're like, we're going to start to serialize. Uh, All those shows had jumped on board at this point. Now, three years in, and more shows that you know I'm not even mentioning right now that also had started to adopt, even if it wasn't as heavily serialized as 24 and Alias, uh, you just get used to cliffhangers. And even predating that, cliffhangers have been around for like dramatic TV shows for a very long time. Uh, Dallas, what, in the 80s, yeah. though, who shot JR thing? I mean, that's like the original one. It's basically almost a given at this point watching in 2004, you're going to get some type of cliffhanger. And I think it was just being caught off guard that there wasn't a cliffhanger. And yet um, the reason why is because they probably knew we want to reboot next season, but the audience doesn't know that. We don't know what their plans are for season four. Um, we're still thinking, yeah, they're going to come back and they're going to, like you said, Jack's nose is going to be bleeding. And to not get that, it definitely caught me off guard. And I would say it, 
it rubbed me the wrong way just in that I was like, oh, I really wanted something bigger. Like that's, that's it. Like, it's just, it's not necessarily I hate. It's just, that's it. And then as I started to rewatch this over and over again, it, it grew on me and it grew on me and it grew on me. And I'm with you. I, I feel like this is one of the most powerful, memorable moments in the history of 24. And so many reasons this works. One, we're just coming after you've really sold me on like the Jack Kim scenes. Cause we get so few of them. And I don't think I ever appreciated it because, you know, just, dad with teenage daughter like it's annoying as, as a young kid watching this or a teenager early 20s watching this it's annoying at the time but we get so few of these scenes that having that last nice scene with kim you're like okay everything's tied up this is the one season where there's no there's there's no threads that aren't that aren't you know, explored already there's no stones that haven't been unturned it, you don't have mandy still out there you don't have you know, the uh, Terry death, like in the first season, uh, you don't have Nina uh, still alive. Everything is tied up. Your villains are dead. Your couriers are all captured. Um, Tony is in shackles. Uh, <laughs> um, Chase is got his hand cut off, but he's going to live. It's the first time in 24 history where everything is wrapped up in a neat package. Yeah. And Jack breaking down the first time that everything is fine. Like that's kind of why it works. Why? do we have Jack breaking down at this moment? It really makes you think you're like, is he breaking down because of everything he just went through? Is he breaking down? Because he's like, finally, I don't have anything else to worry about. But you could interpret it so many different ways, but it really is Kiefer Sutherland's performance. that makes it work because we know there's bad crying. I mean, James Vanderbeek is uh, the, the, the benchmark for bad crying. Don't say Natalie Portman. <laughs> Natalie Portman would be the female equivalent for bad crying. Uh, but Kiefer Sutherland does it so well. Uh, you see like his sobbing, even as he's taking the call, any other actor, there, there's been so many points throughout the season. I'm going to go on record and say season three is where he should have won his Emmy. Uh, and, and yeah, there is some questionable writing in this season. Like why does he have to be on heroin? But the Chappelle death and this moment, just seeing the subtleties of the, how many times throughout the season have we been like, no other actor would do it this way. He, he made a choice to act it a certain way. When he gets the call, any other show, that's when they're like, all right, going to compose myself. <sighs> okay. Yeah, this is Bauer. And then they're like, all right, I'm on my way. You know, he doesn't do that. They keep saying, Jack, Jack, are you there? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's even at the moment where he goes, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. He's still sobbing and his yeah. voice is quivering, answering the call. No other actor would do that. Uh, this is one of the greatest, uh, I would say one of the greatest breakdowns I've ever seen in any TV or movies. And I'm kind of with you. Like I, I almost feel bad that I didn't get this originally, uh, but it has grown on me so much that this might be the greatest ending, at least in my opinion, to any season we've had and will get from this point forward. It's the thing too with it that it signifies is that like it's it's the end of an era for 24 just because, again, as we've constantly said, you sort of got these errors of 24 and this is the end of the first act, the first sort of innocent error of 24. You know, Noah talks a lot about Lost of the, you know, the first two seasons, like the innocent days of Lost, you know. This is kind of like the innocent 24 days, the grounded 24 days because from this point on, they do turn the wick up. It is kind of the Jack Bauer power hour. Let's make things a certain way. Next season is the torture season. It is the (laughs) like, hey, what's your name? Hi, I'm Colin. Cool. I'm going to torture you for no reason. (laughs) Like that's the season, which these next seasons. So like it's, it is definitely a a different show, but same show from next season onwards. So there's so much to kind of digest and take here. And I'll say that like in terms of cliffhangers, if, you know, I'm just about to watch the end of season seven, I'm, I'm two episodes to go, but 
I remember the how that's not really a cliffhanger. Like we only really season five, I would say, is the only real cliffhanger because season four is it's sort of a cliffhanger, but it's a sort of a open-ended cliffhanger. It's not like a Terry's dead Palmer Willie survive cliffhanger. Six season six is kind of like this. It's an amazingly emotional scene, which is fantastic for a horrible, horrible season. And the original series ending on season eight was eight. fine. And then season nine it's a was factor ending. It's do you want this to be the ending of the show or do you want to come back another season? It's and then season nine, I would argue is kind of the same, you know, it's sort of, yeah. they, they, they never give a definitive ending where you feel 24 is over. And I honestly, if I'm saying it right now, it's going to come back one day, Jack Kiva's oh, going to yeah. do it again. I guarantee he will. But um, yeah, so I think kind of like it was just that fresh uniqueness of it. And, it's kind of interesting how you're so ingrained to have those first two seasons of that big shock factor. And realistically it's only season five that gives us that moving forward. Uh, and even then it's not on the levels of season one and two shock. Um, so yeah, there's just something about it. And it's, and it's, and it's also a case of when you watch this so quickly and it, there is a bit of a tinge of sadness in me that we're kind of past the innocent days now. I mean, there's some great stuff to come. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying from this point on that it's, it's all downhill because we're not after episode four of season six. Um, but it's there's just something about some of these episodes moving forward now where it's just, it doesn't quite feel the same. You know, no Sherry. You know, David's not in it that much anymore. They're going to wean Tony and Michelle out of it. You know, it's just it's sort of. Chloe becomes, and nothing against Chloe. Chloe obviously is always really number two to Jack in the grand scheme of the entire series. But I don't know. There's just something about the early part, which I'm just always like, oh, the early days of 24, you know, the the show, the seasons that really made me love this show. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm a big fan of seasons four and five, uh, but I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm not one of these people who's always so tied to the earliest seasons. If I think of most of my favorite shows, very rarely is season one my favorite, you know, um, uh, alias season three is my favorite, you know, covert affairs season four is my favorite, um, um home improvement season five <laughs> is my favorite, <laughs> very similar. It's kind of like ER, but without the medicine, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, Arrow, Arrow season uh, two is definitely the best. So that's probably the close I get, but I, I struggle to think of any show where like season one is my favorite, but I, I always find like shows, I like when they evolve, but I do completely get what you're saying. I mean, the evolution we're going to get from this point on, it kind of becomes a different show. So when you are such a big fan of a series, when you get so invested, like we all were in seasons one, two, and three, it's not even necessarily that there's anything wrong with season four and five, but that's the nostalgia for you. The nostalgia is the show you fell in love with. And when you do a reboot like they do in season four and five, and then again, you know, uh, once we get to seven and eight, um, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have that same feeling. I guess it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the Star Wars movies. I mean, I love the prequels. Uh, I absolutely love the prequels. But because the original trilogy are the ones I was introduced to, those always have more nostalgia for me. Uh, the James Bond movies. I mean, th that's why we love Pierce Brosnan so much, because that's sort of what we were introduced to it from. Even though I would say I, there's probably a handful of Bond movies that I prefer over any Pierce Brosnan movie. The Brosnan is the one that I'm always the most nostalgic for and, and the most uh, infatuated with. And I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that for the most part, the shows that we've covered on this show 
and I could be spoiling this because it's a few weeks away or a few months away, I'm pretty sure Lost is the only one where I've had number one, season one come out on top. I think I had season one of Lost at number one from memory. But third watch, it was season two. Nip Tuck, it was season four. Uh, Breaking Bad, it was season five. Um, so, and but, but I, although having said that, I think I ranked season one very highly on my list of, of Breaking Bad because I love season one of Breaking Bad. But, um, I mean, I'm saying this now, season one will very strongly possibly be my number one season after all of these because, like, we'll get to that next week because, you know, I, I like to be statistical and say, like, well, I bought more in this season than I did in that season. But I, I feel like I'm going to break my rules for 24 just because there's certain levels with season one that I just can't not think if I'm ranking the seasons rather than based on episodes mm. like I do with other shows. But um, you're right. Like, I mean, think of Survivor. Like, I mean... Borneo is yeah. not the greatest season of overall, but we've all got that connection to Borneo. Um, yeah. You know, and like, I, I definitely with you there. Um, and like, yeah, I can think of other shows like ER. Like, I mean, season one is iconic, but I think it really hit its stride around, you know, two, three, four, you know, mm-hmm. sort of moving forward. Um, so, yeah, but I think 24 really is that anomaly to me where like, if, you know, we, before we even started the show, if people had to say, what's your favorite season of 24, I probably always would have said season one. Um, just because, yeah, there's nostalgia to it, but also it does come down to the fact that to me, it's the most grounded and the most like, I don't know, there's something about it that by the end of the day, when you've got Jack trying to, you know, get suitcase nukes every five seconds versus just a simple assassination attempt. Like that's just, there's something grounded about that, that I enjoy. Um, so I guess any trivia for this episode, uh, or anything else? The final uh, episode for James Badgedale. Final episode for James Badge Dale. Final episode for Zachary Quinto. Final episode for DB Woodside for a while. Final episode for Alicia Cuthbert for a while. Um, Final episode for what is his name? Jonathan Summers. Yep, exactly. <laughs> the Jonathan Summers. There he is. Um, not Jonathan Summers. Um, Roger Summers. Come on, Colin. Roger. Um, so uh, the trivia IMDb, the first of the season finale to not have the ticking clock and uh, the silent clock at the end. Um, apparently there were some other deleted scenes besides Chase getting killed. There was, um, Saunders explains to Jack that Raven's objective is to get out of the country with the remaining vial. Well, that's not initially what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and another scene, a chopper radios Raven's for a pickup after he fights with Chase. Okay. Don't think we really needed to see that. Um, this is the final appearance of Dennis Haysbert, Alicia Cuthbert, Rekha Ellsworth, and James Badgedale as series regulars. Carlos Bernard will not be a serious regular again until the first episode of season five and the entirety of season seven. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, it's really the innocent days of it. Um, oh, the background information and notes on 24 Wiki. The murder motorist name was Frank Kazar. Kazar is the last name of John Kazar, a prominent 24 director. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, the episode and the previously on 24 music of day three, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. is different. From all other episodes. Okay. I didn't notice. Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah, all the other. <laughs> In reality, refrigerators have ventilation systems that recycle the <laughs> air inside of them. For the virus have been properly contained with the refrigerator, Jack should have turned off the power to stop the ventilation system pumping it out. Um, and was this, I think you mentioned it, didn't you, recently about Kevin and his broken foot? Um, yeah. So Keith had broken his foot and had to do the final episode with his foot in a black car. So as a result, every camera angle had to be filmed at shoulder level. So I don't know if this is the one where he dropped the gun on his foot or whatever it was. So um, I wonder if that's why we get Chase in the final fight scene and not Jack. I'm not complaining about it, but... I'm not complaining either. I like it. 
Yeah. Yeah. But you would assume they're going to want Jack in the climax. So maybe. Um, all right. What are you going to do with this, Colin? Buy it, rent it, or a Oh, this is a it? bin. It is a total it's bin. Terrible, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, yeah. This is uh this is one of the two easiest buys of the season. Easy. And uh same to me. And with my buy, that means I have only bought or rented this entire season. I did not bin a single episode of season three, and you only binned one. One. So that's gonna be interesting when we come to talking about next week. Uh, but where are you going to rate this, Colin? Uh, I'm rating this just outside of my top three. This would be number four. So the only ones that are ahead of this are, uh, Chappelle's death, which is my number one still. Uh, and then the finale of season one and then episode 23 of season one, but to inside my top five, my top five is made up exclusively of season one and season three now. And I'm happy about that. What's your number five? Uh, my number five is episode 11 of season one. Interesting. So, okay, you and I, because this is my number four as well, so you and I have the exact same top four because I don't keep track of your ratings. But um, the only difference is your number one is my number two and your number two is my number one. Our number three and number four are the same and I my number five is uh, two weeks ago, episode 22 of this season. So, yeah, my top, my top ten is all season one and season three episodes with the exception of the nuke goes off in uh, episode same with me, yeah. six. Yeah, so... Uh, there you go. It's so it's so weird because I've got my two rankings list side by side here. So I've got my season one, two, and three rankings list, and then I've got my rankings list, which at the moment I have watched 166 episodes of all of 24. And um, just looking here, I, I won't spoil anything, but uh, I will say there's some um, at least one season three episode still in my uh, top ten and at least two season one episodes still in my top ten. Um, so a lot of shuffling going on there. Um, obviously we'll wrap up season three next week, um, which means our next episode will be the pilot of, uh, season four, which, uh, completely different beast, but what we'll also do, and we'll mention this probably next week as well for the next three seasons, well, technically four, cause redemption is a prequel to season seven for the next four seasons. We have prequels, uh, which I would just suggest to people, if you're watching along with us, uh, I believe each of the prequels are on YouTube. I think it's the season six prequels, really dodgy quality, but it's watchable still. So uh, the season four prequel, valid. You get to hear Jack Bauer say the F word. It's fantastic. Um, but I think of all the prequels, season four is the best prequel because it really does feel like you're in a new show, like a, re- a reboot of it. So um, any initial thoughts on the first episode of season four? Because obviously next week we'll talk just season four in general, but do you remember anything from that first episode of season four? Yeah, well, I remember the wait uh, more than mm. anything else because they moved to putting in January, which again, 24 changed television as far as like American television serializing. They also changed just the, the whole idea of mid-season being a uh, prime time to uh, launch a show. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's, there's one thing I actually, at the end of season two, I mentioned this, that there was a character or an actor who was going to be appearing that there was a lot of buzz in the Canadian media about that I thought was season three and it's actually season four. So we're going to get to early in season four, somebody who is very heavily hyped here in Canada and uh, maybe shouldn't have been as heavily hyped because it ended up being a bit of a lit down, but uh, but I, I, he he was singing Bohemian Rhapsody, (laughs) little off key. (laughs) Um, I don't, you, you don't know about that. You haven't seen that. No, no. Oh yeah. It's, Big video. He was singing Bohemian Rhapsody before the Queen's funeral. Um, it's bad singing. Wow. But- <laughs> he must be very cut up about that then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, it was 
nice having that reboot because I don't think I'd ever seen a TV show that did such a huge reboot like that. And when we get introduced to Jack in season four, it's probably the closest we'll get. I, I think we even mentioned this in season one. Probably the only time Jack ever starts a season happy and living his life and everything's just kind of normal. And it's it's very unusual the way we get introduced to Jack in season four. It's it, just because it is Jack. Yeah. And of course, it means we're at, well, two episodes we're next week, but we're getting to Kim Raver time, baby. Audrey, we get some William Audrey. William Devane. Willem Devane. Willem? Willem. William Devane. Willem. <laughs> uh, Willem. Curtis. Our first taste of Curtis. Edgar. We like Edgar. Um, but, oh, Audrey. I love Audrey. Not just because she's Kim Raver. She's a great character. And, of course, um, we will mention it when we get to the next episode, but it's the first season. I think they did it pretty much for every season from then on in where the first four episodes aired over two nights. Yeah. Um, so from season four onwards, that was sort of the thing that they did, which – the only one I really think, the only two I think you really feel it as events were season five and six. Whereas, like, I, because I thought they started that with season five, but then when I realized they did it with season four, I was like, oh, okay, it was a season four thing. Um, so, and yeah, we'll talk obviously more about our thoughts of season four overall next week. So that's next week will be season three, just a general wrap up. Uh, in the meantime, currently this week, uh, we're so close to the end of Breaking Bad. You'll be able to hear our El Camino recap tomorrow. It is our penultimate Breaking Bad episode that we're going to be doing. So uh, El Camino tomorrow. And then this week for Lost, uh, we're up to the candidate. So we're getting through season six pretty well. And Men in Black 3 this week. Excited yes. for some Josh, James, Brolin, whichever Brolin it is. And some Pitbull because that's how <laughs> Who doesn't roll. love Pitbull? I, I I do. I love the man. He's bald. That's good. Uh, but we'll be back for then. Great. My name is Ben. And excuse me, Barry, can I get a signature? And my name is Colin. And no! Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>